Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I'm Florence Adu, your host, and this week it's part two of my conversation with artist LaVon Bell. LaVon makes visible the unremembered. In case you missed my introduction in last week's episode, here's a little bit more about LaVon. Borrowing from elements of architecture, history, and archaeology, she creates narratives that challenge colonial hierarchies and invisibility. Working in a variety of disciplines, her practice includes painting, installation, photography, writing, video, and public interventions. Her work with colonial era pottery led to a commission with the renowned brand, the Royal Copenhagen. She has exhibited her work in the Caribbean, the US, and Europe in institutions such as the Museo del Barrio in New York, Casa de las Americas in Cuba, the Museum of the African Diaspora in California, and Christianborg Palace in Denmark. Her work is in the collections of the National Photography Museum and the Vestjylland Museum in Denmark. She is the co-creator of I Am Queen Mary, the artist-led groundbreaking monument that confronts a Danish colonial amnesia while commemorating the legacies of resistance of the African people who were brought to the former Danish West Indies. The project was featured in over 100 media outlets around the world. And that's where we pick up our conversation with Levant. Tell us more. Tell us Tell us the story. Tell us about yeah. I Am Queen Mary. Okay, well, that project happened because it actually wasn't my idea or my other counterpart's idea to do a monument. We, there was a mm-hmm. woman by the name of Hella Stenham, who was a Danish professor, who in anticipation of the 100-year anniversary of Denmark selling us to the United States, which happened in t- 2017, she started to think about this was an amazing opportunity to really think about Denmark's colonial history. Denmark doesn't like to think about themselves as a slave-owning nation or slave right. nation, but they were. Mm-hmm. And as she looked around in Denmark trying to figure out, well, who could she connect with to think about these things? She realized that it was artists that were having critical conversations about it. Mm. Uh, and so when she she came here, like maybe in 2014, and connected with me. I was just trying to get a sense. It was her, I think maybe one of her first times coming here. And I met with her on, at a park, not too far from here. And that, that actually it looks like a park, but it's, it really was a Danish military complex. It was the fort and the dungeon and where enslaved people wow. were et cetera. But we met and she pitched this idea that she wanted to do this project that connected the two warehouse spaces, the warehouse in Denmark and then the warehouse here that traded goods and people, and mm. that really transformed it to trade these ideas and to really think about this history and that she wanted to have an exhibition. And then she was like, and I want to I wanna see if we can raise money for you and then Jeanette Ehlers, who was in Denmark, to do a monument mm-hmm. in 2017. Mm-hmm. So this is years before. And we were like, okay. you know. So we both came up with our ideas for monuments. And then she wasn't quite able to raise the money. And part of it also was that the two institutions that we're going to kind of assist, they kind of fell apart in a way. One of them closed down and the other one, their leader left and they couldn't find anyone to replace them. So it was, the project couldn't really get off the ground, but that seed was planted. Both mm-hmm. Jeanette and I came up with two monument ideas. And as the centennial became closer, the Danish government made a lot of money available 
for, for people who wanted to do projects. And so Jeanette was able to raise money in Denmark uh, to make her monument be realized. And then she came to St. Croix. I had, no, I had met her. I had known her now for a while. I met her first for the first time in 2008. Our practices have a lot of points in common, um, which is why that person approached the two of us, too. Sure. But I... I met with her when she was here and I kind of talked to her about her monument proposal. And that kind of began a series of dialogue that ended up being I Am Queen Mary because I, there were some things in her monument that I thought should have changed. She was calling her monument Queen Mary Spirit at the time. So she was using mm -hmm. kind of our national heroine, but mm -hmm. the way she was visualizing her, I thought maybe, I don't know, I think you should change this and you should change that. And my project was really about, it was a different kind of project. It wasn't a figurative project. It was a project that was thinking about the materiality of the colonial experience because that's what I live in. I live in the remnants of torture labor camps where you can yeah. see the mills and every vista. I live, I live in that material reality. Yes. So my project was about taking those coral stones that I had found in my studio that were in the foundations of all of these buildings. But I had found them in my studio as this like almost like a ready-made sculpture. It was sharp, mm. straight edges. And I remember thinking, how did these large stones end up here? And that's when that same historian who had helped me find out the history of my house, he had said, well, you know, they, they would send the enslaved to go to the ocean to cut these coral stones out of the ocean. And then the, they would, those would be the foundations of the buildings. But we don't really see that because the bricks that they imported from Denmark are what are on top. Wow. And I thought that was such a beautiful, interesting metaphor because it was like, yeah. this is the foundation where you could see their labor in the hand mm -hmm. marked onto the stone, but mm -hmm. it's invisibilized. So I decided mm -hmm. to create a sculpture project that was hopefully going to be a monument project where it was going to be a plinth or a series of, of taking their, the manifestation, the archive of their labor and making that the display. And so it was, yeah. it was like based in these glass, uh, plinths, these columns. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what the irony was is that Jeanette had this figurative project and I had a plinth project. Mm -hmm. So we decided to work together. She was like, you know, Levon, I think we should work together. We should combine our two projects. And so that's what we did. Mm -hmm. But because she raised the money in Denmark, the project migrated to Denmark. In okay. a way. So mm -hmm. um, it was in front of the, the warehouse where the goods came from the Danish West Indies. Yep. And it is a 24 foot sculpture. And it's that mm -hmm. big because it's a counterpoint to Michelangelo's David, which is on the mm. other side of the building. Okay. That's there because that building became like a, a museum to house Renaissance sculptures, actually from Greek antiquity up to the Renaissance. And so that sure. replica was there. And so by putting this other counterpoint on the other side of the building of this two and a half story black woman, with the, these coral stones that were shipped across the Atlantic created such a strong counterpoint to that narrative. It was the first monument of a black woman in Denmark, possibly mm -hmm. also maybe in Scandinavia. Right. Um, and because of that, it got, that's part of the reason it got the worldwide attention. Okay. And it hit kind of a moment right in between what happened in North Carolina, where there was all of that, that horrible incident that happened taking down the General Lee sculpture and then people who yeah. had gotten killed and all those protests. And in between 2020, when 
We see people licking down sculptures during the pandemic after George yeah. got killed. Yeah. So we were kind of that in-between. We, we inaugurated a temporary version in 2018, mm -hmm. and it's temporary because this is a totally artist-driven project. Okay. We, you know, raise all the money ourselves. We raised just enough to do a temporary installation, and the government didn't give us a permanent ins 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 a permission. So we put the sculpture up in anticipation that hopefully we could get enough attention around it that we could make it permanent. And that's what happened. Yeah. Nice. So we finally got the permanent permission last year. And okay. actually at the end of 2019, we got the permanent permission. Okay. And now we are in the process of raising $1.5 million actually. And part of that is to now have two monuments, because if you heard the journey, It was always supposed to be two monuments. Yes. But because of mm -hmm. the same colonial relationship, Denmark being a wealthy country, wealthy because of all of mm -hmm. the, you know, like many European nations became very wealthy off of the slave trade and mm -hmm. off of having colonies in different parts of the world. They could put money towards a sculpture like that. Where in the Virgin right. Islands, as I explained to you, our situation, we could not. I couldn't really raise that kind of money to do a sculpture here. Yeah. So what we're in the process of doing right now is approaching Danish foundations to secure the Danish sculpture, but we're about mm -hmm. to launch a Kickstarter campaign on August 27th to ensure that the Virgin Islands also gets a version. And I, I have to really emphasize that because, I, I mean, as the Virgin Islander in the project, and as I told you how a significant Queen Mary is, that that yes. woman emerges as the most popular leader that we sing this folk song about, there were people who there was a hurt. It was like, Wow, how, like, it was amazing that Queen Mary was now in, in Copenhagen, where she was right. in prison for her role in the, in the labor revolt. But it was also like, well, how come we don't have that here? I mean, so yeah. I, I'm confronted with people all the time asking, like, oh, are we going to get a version of that sculpture? How come we don't have it here? And I, we did actually, um, because it is a public art project, we did a three-island tour to kind of assess after we did the version in Denmark, how the Virgin mm -hmm. Islanders felt about it and if they wanted that sculpture here. And mm -hmm. we had the most beautiful testimonies of people telling us, our children deserve that image too. Yes. They yes. deserve that sculpture. Yes. We want that here too. Mm -hmm. So we're very committed to uh, realizing now two sculptures in bronze. The one mm -hmm. in Denmark will definitely continue to be at the size that it's at, which is 24 feet. And the okay. one in the Virgin Islands, we're still negotiating that because our towns are quote unquote colonial towns in the sense that we have laws, like none of our buildings are more than three stories. So right. a sculpture that big in our small towns, we're not sure. We've, we've actually picked a location that's on the harbor front, on the pier, which would make it almost be like our version of the Statue of Liberty. It would turn it into kind of more like a something that you kind of come oh, in. Oh, welcome. Yeah. But it's, you know, again, it's a project that we're, to it's totally, so imagine all the things that, uh, if you get a commission, they deal with the permissions, they deal yes. with, I mean, we had the longest conversation in Denmark just talking about how to preserve the coral stones, because mm -hmm. they come out of their environment, and, you know, if it's going to be there for perpetuity, like, all the conservators needed to have conversations about it, and what to do, sure. I mean, it's, it's like, details that people cannot imagine, <laughs> that yeah. we have to do all of those insurance, cleaning of the sculpture, everything. So the project has been quite expensive. We've funded it, you know, first we've run out of our funds. So we have been now self-funding it, launching the um, crowdsource funding campaign to kind of keep the project viable and make sure that we can get it to the bronze 
Yeah. yeah. That's, it's yeah, like they it's love gonna to happen. Get the it's bronze. gonna happen. You're going for the bronze. Going <laughs> for the bronze. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm I'll absolutely put that in the show notes. And I, I saw your website is very cool. Yeah, you, you can sign up to our website, which is I am mm-hmm. And they can um they'll find they'll be the first to find out when that donate button appears on our page and when the right. kids start in and so and you know, we're just hoping for people to support the project. It's so interesting, the the similarities between Africa and the Caribbean, which I've already always known. And it's just, I feel like we definitely need to make that kinship more of the global diaspora. That was one of the critiques of our sculpture that we left out a leg that we didn't mm. include Ghana. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Denmark colonized. They had a, col- a colony in Ghana for a hundred years. The Osu- exactly, Osu- exactly. Africa. Christian Borg. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that part, you know, who knows? I've I've reconnected with a woman who's an uh, archaeologist who's Ghanaian, mm-hmm. who has both Danish and Ghanaian roots. Like, okay, uh huh, because her family's connected to the area where that castle was, and wow. um, she, she's been doing archaeological digs for a few years on that site, and. And what it is, it's a totally decolonial archaeological project, meaning that the people who are digging in the soil are all relatives of ancestors that lived in that space. So it's wow. not, not how it is like other Europeans or African-Americans who maybe want it. It's like, no, the pe- we want these people are going to be the one because it's, it's about creating knowledge for them and them being an active part of the extraction because archaeology is very like a very extractive knowledge yeah. kind of so it's really yeah. trying to transform that by making it very, very local. Um, we are hoping to do a project one day. And I think, you know, I think also the reason why that story resonated so much and why it was reported in the New York Times, The Guardian, Time Magazine, S, I mean, it really, it was like, BBC, yeah. it was mm-hmm. everywhere, it was everywhere. And part of it is because if you think about the world, if you were not part, if you weren't colonized, you were the colonizer. I mean, you know, yeah colonized pretty much every part of the globe. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people could resonate with that story of having a a different kind of story be told in public art, because typically public art and monuments are very much told from colonizers and King's point of views, and just to have another kind of queen. And I will mention that she's called Queen Mary, not in the European tradition, but in the Afro-Caribbean tradition. So Mm. we have a tradition that women are called queens out of their leadership. The community calls you a queen. You don't inherit that title. The community. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she was a queen. It isn't because like, and it's like, she's a queen because it's like this testimony that you can make your own empire. You can fashion your own experience. You can kind of create that space for yourself. And that's also why when we sing that song that I mentioned in the beginning, that's what Queen Mary and the Queens of the Firebond mean to us. It's like we can, we have the power to kind of, to create a self-determined life. Nice, nice, nice. And speaking of that, then this kind of dovetails well with my mindset hack question. So tell us a mindset hack. One that you imagine, one that you practice, one that you know of. What can you share on mindset? I have a couple of things that I do because, you know, I deal so much with, I'm, I work a lot with colonial archives, which can be really depressing. Oh, um, yeah. Challenging to deal, do that kind of work. So I really believe in dance. Mm, <laughs> I do. Yes. I 
love dancing. I learned in Cuba to do Cuban style salsa. So soy un okay. soy una salsera. Al fin, me encanta bailar. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I really am into that. Like anytime I travel, I'm, I look for the salsa scene. I'm like, okay, where do they have the salsa scene? And so I'm, I'm very into that. I'm in that. Um, I'm also into very kind of hardcore calisthenic exercises. I used to be an athlete in one of my lives. I was an athlete as a child from um, eight to about 21. I did like very elite uh, competition in swimming. Sure. So that also for me is very important to still have a physical practice because that taps into your inner strength. Yes. And that, you know, that push-ups or biceps or what, like I need that in my life. So that yeah. also, and sometimes if I get off, I get off the bandwagon, as I say, I always go back to that. Like that's my morning, you know, it's a form of meditation, although I do a little bit of meditation, but it is like this physical way of really connecting to your inner strength that I think mm-hmm. is very necessary. Mm-hmm. And then outside of the physical, I often, I mean, I know a lot of people you know, being an artist is like having to confront a lot of the unknown. You're solving a lot of problems, even though it's form and color. And like, what am I going to do with this? White paper can be the scariest thing. A white canvas can be the most frightening thing because it's like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I often, my motto is just do it afraid. Like I just, mm-hmm. I kind of like, and use it as a fuel and I just push forward. And I try to ask myself, what would you do if you weren't afraid to kind of Acknowledge the fear, but not to allow it to stop me from doing what. I love that. That's a wonderful one. Do it afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, you ask the question, if you weren't afraid, what would you do? Yeah. That's all of them are wonderful. I definitely love the do it afraid. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So we, we've learned all about your art and, you know, the, the challenge that sometimes it is to, um, to fund, so you know we're definitely with you on the uh, on the uh, the crowdfunding and, and getting that done. But aside from athletics and dancing, are you a reader? Are you a listener? Are you a watcher? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I recommitted. You know, I have I had three children back to back, so mm-hmm. I was breastfeeding for like ten years. <laughs> um, and I during that time it was very hard to find and then also during that time my mother got sick and I was taking mm. care of her she had Alzheimer's and I was then taking care of my brother who she was taking care of so I had a very intense decade of caregiving mm. I would say it was like a, the, my caregiving decade mm-hmm. and since my mother has passed away and my, my brother that I was caring for he's now in a wonderful home in the States mm-hmm. um, and my children are older mm-hmm. I have been able to re-engage with reading Okay. So I think that reading books is a luxury. I don't always have time to do that. I must admit. Yes. So I am a very avid um, audiobook reader. So yes, I me too. Audio all the time, all the time. Yes. That's probably the thing that, you know, I listen to it in the car. I listen to it in the studio when I'm working. Yeah. Very nice. So what is what is a title that you've listened to um, recently that you've enjoyed? Let's see. I'm in a book club of those same wonderful women from Teach for America. We reunited oh. Club after um after the pandemic and oh, nice. finished reading Cicely Tyson's um ah, as I am war I guess we I would call mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. as I am which is fantastic and then I just just started reading this new book um by Dr Shafali about living an authentic life hmm. okay um, let me see what is the title of that book 
I just just got it. It's called a radical awakening. Okay, I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll put those in the show notes for you folks to check out, either in audiobook or in um in print. Yeah. yeah. So, Lavon, I'm so happy that we were able to carve out this time. And there's, I could have numerous other conversations with you, but you know, I'm, I'm very conscious of your time. I think you probably have to go get the girls or the yeah. kids from swimming. So, do you have any last words for our listeners today? I mean, I guess I think, you know, I love podcasts too. I listen to them all the time. I listen to all kinds of podcasts too. I listen to like trashy, like podcasts <laughs> that just talk about even the rich and the gossip about this person or that. And then I listen to Oprah and I listen to different um, kinds of podcasts. And I always feel what's missing is I don't get to hear a lot of podcasts that are doing what you're doing. Oh, yay. I don't always get to hear Caribbean people. I don't always Mm -hmm. get to hear black women. Of course they have podcasts that do that, but I just think it's, I, I really appreciate you you adding to that space. So I, I think and I appreciate really you my, joining. One of gratitude. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have great show notes again, folks. And I'm sure you can hear the street sounds, but pardon that for for just living life in in the big city. So. As always, you can reach us at www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcasts. We have new episodes every Tuesday. Again, we have a crowdfunder. I am Queen Mary is a website and all of the, the great points that were discussed will be in the show notes. So be sure to check those out on the website. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>